So, I didn't mean to get you so stirred up, okay? Everyone over a certain age, um, let me just ask you this. How many of you remember where you were? Yeah. How many of you remember um, what you were doing at the time? Yeah. How many of you remember how you felt? Wasn't that a strange feeling? Gosh, that was a tough day. Um, I was actually there. I think I've told you that before. Um, I was there on 9-11. And um, I had a prayer partner in Memphis, and this was, about, this was 15 years ago. We would meet twice a month, and we would meet at his house. He's a food broker, and so he worked out of his house. And so we'd meet at his house twice a month, and we'd pray like from 3.30 to 4.30 twice a month. And I saw a book on his nightstand, and the book was by Jim Cimbala, and it was about the church there in New York City. And I just flippantly said, guys, I'd like to visit that church sometime. And uh, Mike's the kind of guy that when you say something like that, he doesn't just dream about it. I mean, he buys tickets and then tells me we're going, okay? That's the kind of guy Mike is. And so sure enough, um, we were there. And we fly in on 9-9, and I remember looking at the Twin Towers as we're flying in. And um, that whole Monday then, we were all around, going to different places. Went to the Yankees game Monday night. I'm with you, bro. I'm not a Yankees fan, but, you know, there's grace and mercy at church. So anyway, we, we, we went to the Yankees game on Monday night, and uh, then went to an Italian restaurant after the game. We got back to our hotel like at 1.30 in the morning. The next morning... We're going to Wall Street, Financial District, and just to say that we've done it, we're going to ride the elevators clear to the top. That was our goal. And he said, do you want to sleep in? Do you want to go early? Well, we were going to this Tuesday night church service, and so I said, let's sleep in. I mean, we're going to be out all day. Let's sleep in. Probably the only time ever that sleeping in will save your life, and it did. And so we wake up, you know, with a loudspeaker in our room, get up, get out, you're under a terrorist attack. Get up, get out, you're under a terrorist attack. Mike jumps up, he's in one queen-size bed, I'm in a queen-size bed on this side. He jumps up, pulls open the curtains, and sure enough, the smoke is just billowing. About that same time, somebody's beating on our door, get up, get out, get out. And so I don't know why, but I asked the guy if I could get a shower. (laughs) True story. And Danita said, you're not right. What were you thinking? That's not the first time she's told me I'm not right. But, but I, I was thinking if we're under a terrorist attack, we're going to be out of our room all day. And I at least want to be clean, okay? And so, you know, that, that whole day and that whole event, and it took several days that we finally were renting a car. And, and we were literally, I mean, this is back, you know, 15 years ago. We were, I'm calling a friend a Messianic Jew friend of mine who's raised in the Bronx on how to get out of the city. I have no idea how to get out of New York City, and he's directing us and guiding us on how to get out. Wall Street tanked. The nation went into an uproar and a panic. Churches were full for about three weeks. Very interesting. Churches were full. And and it was was an eerie time when you looked in the sky because you couldn't find a single airplane flying at that time. It was so weird not to hear or see anything flying. And I remember we as a nation went through some heartfelt questions. Are are we going to be blemished? We're a blessed nation. We're a blessed nation. But will we be blemished 
and live a blemished results of this attack on, on, our, on our soil. And I never will forget you know, thinking about those two B words, blessed or, or, or blemished. It, it's what I really think all of us in our lives begin to ask ourselves that very question. Will I live a blessed life or will I live a blemished life? Because when we face burdens, and I'm, I'm done with the bees after this, but when we face burdens, we don't quite know what to do with them. And we have these burdens, and so will they result in blessings or will they result in, in, in blemishes? And because I have blemishes, am I then forced to live the rest of my life as a blemished individual? Well, you know how most of the time, not most of the time, but oftentimes the Bible is rather confusing. Sometimes the Bible is really hard to understand. Today is really simple. If you want to live a blessed life, these short six verses tell you how to be wise, wise up, and how to live that life. If you want to live a blemished life, and your burdens are going to get you and sink you, this passage of Scripture, six short verses, tells us exactly how to live in that blemished path. And so this morning, I don't know your church background. Maybe you're new. Maybe you lost a bet. Maybe you're here because she's cute. I don't care. Okay, But for whatever reason that you're here, this is as crystal clear as it ever gets. It is so simple this morning. I think you want to live a blessed life. I think that's why you're here. I think that's why you fought the traffic and came to this service. And I mean, you're, you're at this moment, you want to live a blessed life. You, you want to grow in your relationship with God. So what I want to do, first of all, is, again, I want, I want you to stand up again. You don't have to say anything. Just stand up again. And I want us to read these six verses. It's Psalm 1. We're in a series right now called Wise Up. These are six great verses. I'll read them. Just follow along with me on the side screens, if you will. Here we go. Blessed is the one who does not walk in steps with the wicked, stand in the way that sinners take, sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person... Is like a tree that's planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord, for the Lord, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Okay, have a seat. Grab your bulletin. We're going to fill in some notes, fill in some blanks. How do we live the blessed life? If I want to live a blessed life, if I want to fulfill a blessed life, I got burdens. I've already, already had some blemishes, and we all got blemishes. We all got burdens. Everybody in the room struggles with something. You've struggled with something. You're still struggling with something today. There's not a one of us in this room that doesn't have some kind of junk going on. But how do we go forward with the blemishes and with the burdens? I want to be blessed, right? How many of you in the room want to be blessed? 
Anybody want to be losers? I want to be a loser today, okay? I came to church to be a loser. No, you want to be blessed, right? All right, here we go. Here's the first, verse 1. Psalm 1, verse 1 says this. You can fill in the blanks. You can see them. You can read. He says, blessed is the one. He starts off with that very word. This is the first psalm. There's 150 psalms. The first word in the whole psalms is the word blessed. Because everybody wants to be blessed. And guess what? Everybody can. No matter your burdens, no matter your blemishes, everybody can be blessed. He tells you how. That's the best part of this in just a minute. He says, blessed, doesn't matter if you're male, female, young, old, doesn't matter. You qualify to be blessed. Blessed is the person Blessed is the one, and he gives us three of these steps. Now, what's interesting is he, like, he starts off like amped up, and then kind of comes down, but all three of these will get you on the wrong path. He starts at like level 10. Blessed, you want to be blessed? Well, here's what you don't do. Number one, you don't walk in step with the wicked. I want to tell you again this. I've said this before. There's only three kinds of people, wise, foolish, and evil. There's only three kinds of people in the world. Every person you ever meet fits into one of those three categories, wise, foolish, or evil. There's only three kinds of people. Now, there's different degrees of wise people. There's different levels of foolish people. There's different levels and degrees of wicked people, but there's only three kinds of people. He starts off with the worst kind, the worst kind, they're walking. These are, these are people that like to walk. They, they come together. They, they, they purposely move toward doing wickedness. Blessed is a person who's not, I mean, it's like, it's like you're the village idiot if you do this. You've got to stay away from those who are wicked. So you're blessed if you're not walking with the wicked. But, but look, catch the next part. Not only are you not to walk, you don't even stand. You, you don't even hang out. You don't stand in the way that sinners take. Now, why does he say that? Because sometimes our friends are people that we just stand with. And even if our friends are doing things that aren't good or aren't right, we think, well, maybe we should stand with them. Here's the problem with that. If they don't care about their health, they're not going to care about your health. If they don't care about their money, they're not going to care about your money. If they don't care about their marriage, they're not going to care about your marriage. If they don't care about, you just fill in the blanks. And so, so when you stand with people who are purposely, I'm not talking about blemishes. I'm not talking about burdens. I'm talking about people who are high-handedly deciding just to commit all kinds of incredible things. You're, you're not going to, it's not going to go well for you. Why? Because the Bible says, he who walks with the wise grows wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. And the problem is, it's the shrapnel. You're not going to start doing crack cocaine. But because they do crack crack cocaine, the shrapnel blows up around you. You're not going to go do, and we can fill in 18 different blanks, you're not going to go do that. But because they're doing that, their lives implode. And so he's trying to tell us something very right in the first verse. I mean, I, I don't know how many verses there are in Psalms. That would be a good trivia question. But there's, you know, a thousand, thousands of verses in the book of Psalms. The very first verse is saying, don't do this. Don't walk. Don't stand. 
And then he says, don't sit down. Don't sit down with them. Don't like hang out with them. Just sit down. Don't sit down at Starbucks with them. Don't sit down at, at, at Chili's with them. Don't sit down with them. And these are the mockers. Now, what are they doing? They're mocking the purposes of God. And all of us in this room, we've had people make fun of us because we're Christians. All of us have. You go to church. You give your tithes and offerings. You took a week's vacation and went on a mission trip. We said a bunch of folks got back from Nicaragua. You, you teach three-year-olds? Dude, you went to the collective and, and played dodgeball with all those? I mean, all of us in this room. And see, the mocker makes fun of the purposes of God. You don't want to do that. You don't want to be in that path. You don't want to be around that because you want to get in on what God is doing because you figured out that life's not about you. And when you figure out that life's not about you, you then begin to bear fruit and do great things, whatever God's calling you to do, to make a significant difference. And so if you want to be blessed, here's what you don't do. You don't sit down with mockers. I I always think that's interesting. When Jesus said to Simon Peter, when, Simon, when Jesus said, I'm getting ready to leave and go be crucified and be handed over to the chief priests, and, 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 and Simon Peter said, oh, no, 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 you're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. And, and Jesus said, what? Get behind me, Satan. Because Peter was interfering with the purposes of God. Now, ironically, when Judas betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver, and Judas comes walking up in the garden, Jesus called him friend because he was fulfilling a purpose from the prophecy of old. And so you want to be, you can think about that all day long if you want to at Chili's, okay? You go ahead and think about that. I'm not going to give you the answer to that. The purposes of God. So you won't be blessed if you do those things, but here's what he says in verse 2. Verse 2 says, well, let me show you this. I forgot that. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Yeah, go ahead and do that. Thank you. I've said that many, many times, and it's so true. It's so true. Show me your friends. I'll show your future. Because people around you always, always, always influence you, good or bad. Okay? Verse number 2. Verse number 2 says, okay, don't stand, don't walk, don't sit, but here's what you do do. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord? And who meditates on his law day and night. And so what is the psalmist trying to teach you? The psalmist is trying to teach you that every problem in your life is answered in this book. You got marriage problems? It's in this book. You got parenting problems? It's in this book. You got money problems? It's in this book. You got conflict relationship problems? It's in this book. Every problem that you and I ever face is in the book. And so he's trying to tell you and I that the answers to your life and my life, to the blessed life, the answers are in the book. And so he's, he's imploring you to learn to, number one, to delight in it. Now, why wouldn't we delight in it? Well, we wouldn't delight in it if we didn't think it had value. And so you, you delight in what you value, and you value what you delight, right? That makes perfect sense. And, and so the only reason you wouldn't delight in it it's because you don't really think it has that much value. Well, let me ask you this question. How much value does watching TV have? Now, it has some. 
The Colts play at 425 this afternoon. That's God's will for me to be at the table. Nobody die today. If you die tomorrow, that's fine, but don't die this afternoon. I'm, I'm kidding. Okay, I'm kidding. How much value is there in watching TV? There's some. You can learn some stuff, right? How much value is there in reading the newspaper? Well, there's some. I'm an optimist. There's some value in that. There is. Or going online, catching the news, right? How much value is there in listening to the radio? How much value is there in reading some novel, some romance thing? I don't know. Whatever you read, right? Maybe some. I don't know. Maybe some. Here's what I do know. I do know that every dilemma, every concern, every obstacle, every challenge that you and I face, it's all in the book. And so he's saying, if you really want to live a blessed life, you will delight in that which has value. And what you'll do then is you'll learn to meditate on it. Now, I don't think this means we sit down and go, hmm, I don't think that's what that means. I I think he means by this that you you let those verses just permeate. They go from your head to your heart every Saturday. Every Saturday for three and a half, four hours. I start with this that I've already prepared weeks ago, and it's got to go from here right to here. It takes about three and a half to four hours for it to go from here. I'm slow. To go from here down to here. Okay? I think that's what he's saying. He's saying that whenever you look at Scripture or you read Scripture or you think about Scripture, it has to go from here into here. And so you want to be blessed? You learn to meditate on those verses that are so pertinent to where you are in life. You don't meditate on verses that aren't pertinent to you. If you're a mom and you want to be a great mom, what are the verses that help you become a better mom? If you're a grandfather and you want to be a wonderful grandfather, what are the verses, if you're going through a loss and a grief, what are the verses you want to read and and camp out on? And and you do it all the time. He says day and night. Now, he doesn't mean quit your job and, you know, just go to a monastery, but we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Day and night, what does that mean? All right, verse 3. Let's look at verse 3. Here's another component, though, of being blessed. Another component of being blessed is is your character. Directly affects your character. And he says, to be blessed, my character must be strong. So he says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Now, if you'll notice, the first thing, you have to be planted. I have found people who don't seem to live a blessed life, they're never planted. They're always moving always doing something else. They're never planted. They never plant with a job. They never plant with a spouse. They never plant with, plant with a plan. They're, they're, they're always shifty, moving, go, moving, going, going, going. If you want to be blessed, it appears from Scripture that you've got to have both roots and wings. Everybody wants wings. Everybody wants to go somewhere. But before you can have wings... You have to have roots. And so this tree then gets planted purposefully right by the streams of living water, right by a stream of a flow so that the nutrients can grow and grow and grow. So he says, if you want to be blessed, you've got to be like a tree that's planted. 
Let me just ask this question. Are you always moving or are you ever planted? Are you always looking for somebody else or something else? Are you, are you ever planted? You want to be blessed? You got to be planted. And you got to have some depth in your life. And so he's telling you that the way that you do this is you find the right place, the right church, the right friends, the right people, the right connect groups, the right script. You get into these scriptures, and you, it's the streams of water. Now, is there a correlation between your character and the blessings of God? Yes, there is. I don't know that I can clearly define it, but I have observed that now for over 35 years. The stronger the character the more the favor of God. The more the favor of God, you look deep, you look around, you see, you see character. There's always character involved with the favor and with the blessings of God, and I can't clearly define all that. So i got another slogan that I always keep in front of me. Let's put the next one up there about you will never leave where you are until you see where you'd rather be. I love that phrase. And that phrase has become a phrase I think about all the time. Where do I want to be? Where, see, you will never leave where you are in your character until you can see where you'd rather be. If you want to be a person that's honest, you've got to see yourself as an honest woman or as an honest man. If you want to be a moral person, you've got to see yourself as a moral man or a moral woman. If you want to be an honest man or an honest woman, you've got to see it. That's the goal. I want to be that kind of a person. And you'll never leave, folks, where you are today. You'll never do anything differently. You'll stay the same. You will stay stuck the rest of your life until you see where you'd rather be. So I'm constantly thinking about, here's where I am. That's not really good. Let's see where I want to be. And then meditate on those verses that can get me from here to get me to there. That's the growth. That's the transition. That's the fun part. So you'll never leave where you are. I want you to think about that today too, okay? All right, let's go back to verse 3. Verse 3 says this. See, the last part of this, verse 3, talks about fruit. And so the tree that's planted by the streams of living water, it, it, it's fruitful. Now, I asked this question in first service, and I said, and this guy, I asked, this, I asked the question, I said, anybody like to eat rotten fruit? It's one guy about the second or third row said he did. So I, I'm afraid to ask that question. There's, there's twice as many of you in this room. Anybody in this room like to eat rotten bananas? Okay, it's just one weird person in first service. All right, good. I thought that was normal. Look at this picture about fruit. Nobody wants to eat this. That's fruit that nobody wants for breakfast, right? That's gross. Here's what we want. This is the fruit that we want. We want that, don't we? Why? Because that's the good stuff. And everybody in this room wants to be that tree that plants great fruit and be something so significant. All right, let's look at the next verse. Let's go to verse 4. Verse 4 talks about the wicked and the ungodly. So the people who are blessed meditate on the Word of God. They've learned to do it day and night. They learn not to walk. They learn not to stand. They learn not to sit in certain places. But they delight in what is really beneficial in their lives. They, they learn to delight in what's really, really valuable. But, but not so the wicked. They're like the chaff that the wind blows away. Um, I don't know if chaff means much to you or not, but I got my first um, 
experience with chaff with my Grandpa Smith. And my Grandpa Smith, my mom's dad, he would grow um, popcorn. He'd grow all kind of corn, you know, and all that. he had a corn sheller. But the popcorn ears are too small. The popcorn ears won't go through the corn sheller. You put the ear through the corn sheller, the popcorn ear, and half of it's still on the, on the ear. And so what you have to do there is you have to do it by hand. And so I'll never forget when Grandpa and I, he thought this was a good idea, we did it inside in the kitchen. And we are shelling popcorn in the kitchen for hours, and chaff is everywhere. Chaff's on the ceiling, chaff's on the stove, chaff's on the floor. My grandmother comes in there. She was Cruella DeVille at that moment. She was so mad. We had chaff. I, that house been sold, torn down, still has chaff coming out of it I, after, all, after all these years. And, and, and the point about that is, is the righteous are planted, but the wicked are just, they're floating. They're like chaff. There's no, no roots. There's no anchor. There's no, there's no stability. And, and he says, not so the wicked. They're, they're like chaff that, that the wind blows away. Look at, look at verse, verse 5. The ungodly will have eternal problems. Therefore, the wicked, they're going to not stand in the judgment seat, nor sinners in the assembly of, of the righteous. So, so the wicked have have problems. But this is what you want. You want verse 6. Verse 6 is what you want. You want the top part of verse 6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Let me do this again. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Say that with me. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Folks, that's you in this room. You, You want that. You want the Lord's hand of favor on you. Everybody in this room, I think, wants that deeply and dearly. Um, I told you a story last week about one of my prayer partners, and I want to just share a quick one about the others. There's three of us that meet. But here's my question to you, first of all. What, what if you really got serious about the Scriptures? What, what would your life be like if you really started to meditate on the Word of God? What would your life be like if you started to delight in the Scriptures? What, what would your life be like if you started to become planted by the streams of living water? What would, you like? what would your life be like? Would your life be better? Would you be worse off meditating on the Scriptures, or would you be better off? Would you be worse off by delighting in the, the law of the Lord, or would you be worse off? And so again, you will never leave where you are until you see where you'd rather be. You will never leave where you are until you see where you'd rather be. And my job is to help you see it. My job is to help you see that there is a better life and God has more in store for you. So this friend of mine, he tells this story publicly, but he said he was a worrier. Warrior, a scale of one to ten, one being low, ten being high. He said he was an eight, seven or an eight. He worried about different things as his business, family. He was a seven or an eight. So he decided to leave where he was. He could see where he wanted to be, and he didn't want to stay at that same level and place for the rest of his life. So he began to take verses on worry, and he committed them to memory. He did this for years. He would take a scripture verse, memorize it, meditate on it, camp out on it. Take another scripture verse on worry, memorize it, 
camp out on it, and meditate on it. And he said now in his life, he's a two or a three. He's gone from a seven or an eight down to a two or a three because of him meditating on the Word of God. Isn't that a cool story? I remember when um, about 13 years ago, I moved down here, and I was actually here six months without Danita, Erica, Ethan, and Emily. Now, they would come, you know, every three or four weeks, and one time we were separated for six weeks, which was terrible. But for six months, I was down here without them. And I can remember, like, you know, having these conversations with God, like, hey, why don't you sell my house in Memphis? I'm a family man. And, and hey, God, I'm your boy. I mean, I'm down here, you know, to serve you. Sell my house. And, and, And I remember, and what I did every day is I turned the Psalms on every night. I went to sleep every night with the Psalms on, and I woke up every morning, and these are back in the days with those discs, and I put the, the, the Proverbs on every single morning. And I've learned to sleep. I had about a 10-year run where I didn't sleep well from probably 35 to, to about 45. In the last seven, eight years, I wake up, and I got a verse. I had to use that verse, and I quote that verse, and I quote that verse. It's exactly what I did when I was here all by myself without Danita. And the verse I always quoted myself walking on the beach or waking up in the middle of the night was, those who put their hope in you will not be disappointed. Those who put their trust in you will not be disappointed. And I learned that the the quoting of Scripture probably reduced my blood pressure, but allowed me to go back into a deep, deep sleep. And now after all those years, I wake up early in the morning But I pray, I quote Scripture, and I wake up several hours later, I don't even know who I am or where I am, and I'm drooling everywhere. I mean, I go back into a deep sleep because of the Scriptures. Day and night, they have the power to give you this incredible peace. I I had the wonderful privilege, Denise and I did, and there's a lady in our church for years, and she was 99 years old when she died. And we got to know her when she was 88 years old. And um, fascinating woman. But I've never met anybody in my life that was more deeply planted than this 99-year-old woman. I've never met anybody who was planted by the streams, of who delighted in the law, who meditated day and night. And she didn't have an easy life. She wanted to be a missionary. So in 1943, she and her husband go off to Sierra Leone, Africa. They lose a child to polio. They have to bury the child instantly there because of the polio issue. They're there for a while, plant churches, come back here. She loses another daughter. She loses a daughter now in in the States, and she loses her husband. And in in her late years, 97, 98, she's at at a good nursing home in our community, but she's got a roommate that's just about as cantankerous as can be. And the roommate's out to get her at age 97 every single day. And the roommate's fighting with her every day. It's an incredible story. They got her moved to another room. But my friend's passion for Scripture kept her sane and sanity throughout that entire time. Toward the end of her life, she was 98 years old. And I'm in the nursing home with her. Danita's there. Danita would see her regularly. I saw her occasionally. But I was there that one day, and um, Danita said, read Isaiah 53. She loves Isaiah 53. So I got my phone, and I got the U version on my phone, so I got, I'm reading it off my phone. And as I start, you know, the Isaiah 53, about the verse 3, I can hear her saying something. 
And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is, is, she, is she not? She fell asleep. She, you know, she's not with me. She's quoting it. She's quoting Isaiah 53 from the King James translation. I'm reading it off my phone. She's qu- How embarrassing is that? Right? <laughs> the woman is quoting the whole chapter because she meditated on it day and night. And though her body failed her those last several years, boy, her mind was crystal clear. Her mind was sharp. Isn't that what Jesus did? Didn't Jesus do that? Hey, where's Jesus? He's out praying. We're getting ready to have his disciples. Who's he going to pick? He prayed all night. Jesus said, can you watch and pray with me for an hour? He's in the garden. He's getting ready to be arrested, crucified, hung on a cross. And Jesus is praying, not my will but yours be done. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is being tempted. And every time he was tempted, he quoted Scripture. Every time he was tempted, he quoted Scripture. Every time the devil tried to get him, he had a Scripture verse. He just, if you could learn to think through the lenses of Scripture, would your life be better? If you learn to meditate on the Word of God, pick your verse. Pick your topic. Pick what's pertinent to you. You will never leave where you are until you see where you'd rather be. Where would you rather be? To let the blemishes just burden us down so we can't even function and operate? Or do we want to soar in the blessings of our Heavenly Father? Jesus says this in John chapter 15. He said, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if, if, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. Figure it out. Figure out what works for you. I do it on my phone a lot. I love my phone. My phone reads to me. Figure out a time when you can read. Figure out a time when you can listen. Figure out your verse. Figure out your topic. Where are you that you've been stuck? Where do you need to grow? Figure out the verse you need to memorize. What is it that you need to say in the middle of the night when you're awakened with fear and anxiety and trouble and turmoil? What's your key verse? Meditate day or night on the law of the Lord and it will benefit you far greater than you could ever dream or you could ever imagine will you stand with me I want to ask our prayer partners to come down front the place to always begin is with Christ we must begin with Jesus Jesus died that Isaiah 53 a substitutionary death for you and for me where If you've never given your life to Jesus, this is the time to do it. This is the morning to do it.
Maybe you just want some help with how to figure out how to meditate. Come down front. Let them pray for you, pray over you, and pray with you. I know you want to be blessed. And I have done my best today through about the simplest verses in the entire Bible to tell you how to be that way. Jesus, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we worship you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.